0: Hello, everyone. You are listening to WKNC 88.1 FM HD1 Rally. We are a student run organization over here at NC State. I am Kiva Wilson, and this is Off the Record. Hello, everyone. Today I'm here with Gabe Larson from the indie band Waldemar. Um, I know y'all previously released the Vision EP, but this new um, record you released, Ruthless, um, this year is your first full length album. What is that like to finally have a whole album out for y'all?
1: Yeah, well, um I mean, I guess I've I've put out some other music before this one, but this was like the first uh full-length uh record which was a much bigger endeavor, but um yeah, the uh <clears throat> the short version of the story is uh took me a little over 5 years to make this record. It's called uh Ruthless um and was like a year of writing and then um i thought i was ready to record the record and was going to record it with a buddy of mine uh was a big heavyweight producer guy um in eau claire uh where i'm from and then all of a sudden he got a job to go out on tour with a really amazing band Uh, um, and then i was kind of left homeless uh studio wise and Mm-hmm. Me and my brother who plays drums in the band, uh, we caught a wild hair and we're like, what if we built our own recording studio? Um, I had this old horse barn um, behind my house uh, in Eau Claire, and it'd been kind of like a silly pipe dream to like make that into a studio someday. And we we were just crazy enough to be like, oh, let's, let's do it. And so we started building a studio and we thought it would take us like three months and it took us two years to build it. (laughs) (laughs) Just how those things go. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, we built the studio for two years and then, um, and then took about two years of recording and mixing. So five, five years from start to finish working on, working on this record. But um, uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I was, I've released other music, uh, before this one, but none that was like that insane of a process, you know? So, um, yeah, that's the, that's the short, short version, I guess. So (laughs) five years covers a lot of time, but yeah.
0: Okay. You're definitely the first person I've heard to, um, make their own recording studio for their album. I think that's an achievement achievement. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so what did, you learn from making a functional recording studio out of a barn house?
1: Yeah. Oh man. Um, God, so many lessons. Um, I mean the, I guess the first thing that comes to mind to me is, uh, I feel like a thing that I was really confronting a lot in deciding to just like do all this in house, if you will, is, mm-hmm. um, I think a very classic artistic, Fear. Maybe it's not even artistic, but it shows up in the arts a lot is uh, like just imposter syndrome stuff of like, like, I, I need other people who are actually professionals to be able to make something that sounds good. That's like the fear that's going on. And so the entire time Mm -hmm. of building the studio uh, that was present in like, oh, are we capable of building a recording studio that is capable of producing quality sounding music like are, are we able to frame the walls in a way that is going to be good for sound are we going to be able to uh soundproof the building in a way that's going to be good for making music are we going to be able to buy and install gear that is going to be good for making music it was like that kind of question was hanging around all the time over those two years of building the studio and we ended up building a really awesome super cool place and I think that was like really good to over the course of two years to just be like wrestling with doubt and fear and imposter syndrome stuff and to kind of like move through that and to like make a place that I felt really proud of and like oh like we are capable of making Mm. a good place you know what I mean and so I learned a lot of those lessons on like building the studio and so then when it came time to actually like make the music and record everything then all of a sudden those same types of fears were present so you know like oh am am i a good songwriter you know am i Mm. capable of are we capable of recording good songs now like am i capable of mixing these good songs or mixing songs well and all that kind of stuff and it was like i just finished like wrestling with those same categories of fears and doubts over the course of building the studio, now making the music. And so to some degree, those, those fears and doubts felt familiar. And I kind of had like a, a little bit of a sense of confidence of like, Oh, I, I think I can, I think I actually can, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I've, I've, learned that if I, if I commit to something in, in whatever that I can I'm, I'm, I'm capable. I think, I think I'm actually capable. So, so yeah, I think the the process of building the studio, I think really challenged a lot of the, the, the BS that we tell ourselves of like, Oh, I, I can't do that. Only professionals do that. Or only people who live in New York or LA can, can do that. You know what I mean? Which is just, is garbage. You know, it's just like, that's just, it's insecurity. You know what I mean? That's, it's all it is. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, I think building the studio, like Put me in a path of like doing a lot of work on that kind of confronting that kind of bs self-talk um and then i kind of was able to take those lessons a step further with actually making in making the record you know making the music so mm-hmm. long story long but yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: so i kind of want to talk more about imposter syndrome i feel like that's a yeah. thing that affects a lot of smaller artists oh for really- sure taken off yet
1: yeah, yeah
0: um and I think it's a big thing that it kind of stops them from taking that first step and making great music um, so what are some other ways you kind of fight imposter syndrome
1: oh man um uh one of the first things that comes to mind for me is I've I have taken a whole lot of joy and uh security and help from listening to other artists talk about making art and Mm -hmm. specifically from artists who we categorize in our brain of like, Oh, those are the artists, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and it's different for everybody on like, who are your music idols or whatever on like, who are the people out there that have made the records that just feel like totally brilliant and listening to those people, talk about songwriting um i find that they say and think uh, the exact same things that i am saying and thinking and they wrestle with the exact same fears that i'm wrestling with like like for example like i i read uh jeff Tweedy, but he's like the lead singer of wilco um the main main songwriter from wilco yeah wilco's awesome um they just put out a new single that's really good uh Kate Kate LeBond produced it, Evicted? I think that's the name of it. I've listened to it a couple times. Um, Anyway, um, but yeah, Jeff Tweedy, he's like this prolific songwriter. He's put out so many insanely great records. And I read his autobiography, actually listened to it on audiobook. He narrates it. It's really good. Um, But he describes songwriting and like feeling insecure about his own songwriting and feeling afraid that he's like that he doesn't have any more songs in him and stuff mm-hmm. and it's like oh like listening to him talk about his process of songwriting and the fears that, that he's dealing with I'm like that sounds exactly like what I'm dealing with and it's like well man if jeff tweedy's dealing with that like mm-hmm. then it's okay for me to feel that sa- like I'm not feeling that way because I'm like not an artist or something like that like that's just what it what we deal with as artists you know what i mean and and i think the imposter syndrome thing what that self-talk what that voice will say to you is you're feeling insecure and real artists they don't feel secure they feel sure of themselves Mm -hmm. they feel secure they feel sure of the art that they're making um they have that like genius kind of thing going on and you go and listen to them talk about songwriting and they're like "Eh, how did you come up with that song and they're like I don't know. I was like, just, <laughs> <laughs> like they don't know, you know what I mean? It's like a mystery mm-hmm. on how they came up with their, with their stuff. And it's like, Oh, okay. So that's just like what it means to make art. You know what I mean? So um, I read a uh, Bruce Springsteen's autobiography too. And I mean, he talked about a, a prolific mm-hmm. songwriter and he talked about that. Like he went through major seasons of depression of feeling like he'd kind of written his last, written his last song and stuff like that. And he was like, just getting started, you know? So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's been something I've gone to a lot. I would say in recent years of listening to people that seem like they're not imposters talk about feeling like they're imposters. (laughs) And that weirdly gives me hope. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's a lot of good advice. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, so kind of going back to how the album was recorded, yeah, Um. it seemed like a lot of the bandmates kind of recorded their parts separately for the album How did yeah, why did y'all choose to record
1: the um the LP this way? Um, well choose is a that's a very intentional word and um, <laughs> it wasn't it just it honestly it just like happened that way Like it was kind of mm-hmm. like I noticed like halfway through the record that that's like how we were making I think I thought like like it was like December 2019 is when we like kicked off recording the record. And like we I got the whole band out to the studio and we like we like cracked open a beer and we're like, all
2: right, cheers,
1: we're doing this. You know what I mean? And but like we'd like just finished building the studio literally like the month prior. We hadn't like r- hit record really on anything like we we still didn't really know how to use our own studio. Really. We just like
2: mm-hmm.
1: had the space and so like we did like a day or two together as like a full band in the room like recording stuff but we basically got nothing done we were basically just like Mm. still just like figuring out how to like use our gear and like i don't know like we basically got nothing done and that was like the (laughs) last that was like the last time that all of us were all in the room together like (laughs) making this record and like by accident I i think i just i i don't know i like I think I thought that we would all be in the room together like and have that like kind of band experience of making a record mm-hmm. together and I don't know for some reason we just we just did not and and there was no decision that w- went into that like I just that's just kind of how it ended up happening there was there was some point like maybe halfway through making the record that like um i had been kind of bringing guys individually into work on their parts and work on the songs and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and there's kind of a a part about halfway through recording the record where i felt really out of touch with my own opinions and my own Mm -hmm. um instincts on the song like 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 i'd have like our other guitar player josh in the studio and we'd be working on guitars and he'd be like well what do you think and i'd be like i don't know he was like do you like this and i was like I don't know. I might hate it or I might love it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. (laughs) I, I, I was like, I felt total nothingness basically. Like I just really had lost track of my own instincts on the songs. And I ended up just like working on the songs by myself completely for like three or four months or something like that. Like nobody heard, nobody in the band heard from me. Like, and then all of a sudden, everybody got a batch, a fresh batch of demos in their email um and we're like whoa these songs all sound way different than the last time that we heard them what happened like oh yeah i just i i i i'd I'd been working on them by myself for like four months Mm -hmm. and i think being the only person in the room like helped me kind of like reconnect with my own instincts on the songs and i actually i got a ton done that way like i everything started to feel just really instinctual and um just very kind of flow state um so, so, yeah, I don't know. The, the the making of the record was mostly, like, me bringing guys in, one individually mixed with kind of some longer seasons of me just working by myself on it. But, um, yeah, there was no design ahead of time of, like, okay, we're going to – this is how we're going to make the record. It just kind of – kind of just organically happened the way it happened, man. So, yeah.
0: That's interesting. You kind of found your flow state working by yourself. Because I know yeah. you kind of talked about your last band kind of breaking up because you had so many kind of cooks in the kitchen. To say. Literally,
1: yeah, yeah. We had like we had five. We had like five songwriters in a five-piece band, which is just like <laughs> it's that's ridiculous. And they're all good songwriters too, which is mm-hmm. even even worse. Like if if you had five songwriters in the room, like at least like three of them could just be like terrible. You know what I mean? So you could just be like, "That's a bad idea. We're not doing that." Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they were all like really good songwriters so <laughs> yeah totally <laughs>
0: Um yeah well i think like outside opinions kind of really help i think definitely sitting there focusing on your own work kind of lets you hone in and not be so obsessed with what other people think in the moment
2: yeah
1: it's i mean it's it's good to have i think it's good to have both you know what i mean that mm-hmm. like all of us as people as songwriters as artists we all have blind spots you know what i mean like for example like i i tend to like the the songs for me when i write a song out of the gate is like 20 minutes too long basically Mm -hmm. like i like (laughs) i like get an idea for a song or i get a mood going or a vibe going on a on a new song idea and i will i will like take it way too far to some uh, oftentimes that's like my instinct and so having other people in the room um who can uh be like yo gabe this song this idea that you've got going is good but you lost me like five minutes ago like we we should Mm -hmm. cut this in half you know what i mean um uh but other times like you get too many people in the room, um, you can lose track of your own vision for the song really, really quickly too. So it's it's good to have a mix of both. I've found, but the the trick is just knowing when you need other people's perspective and knowing when you need to trust your own instincts. And I feel like knowing when you need one over the other just kind of comes with time and comes with experience, you know. And I feel like I'm still learning when I need to lean on others and when I need to kind of retreat and just be by myself with a song for a while. Um, But I'm excited. I'm I'm kind of starting to work on new music right now. I'm kind of in like the preamble stage, if you will. Um, And I feel a little bit more armed with experience going into writing new songs right now to kind of I feel a little bit more in tune with knowing when I need to call up a bandmate and when I need to just sit with it a little bit longer. And I don't know if I even can really explain that. I feel like, like I said, I think someone that just like just comes with experience and just reps, you know. Um, So, yeah, man.
0: Yeah, I know in a previous interview, you kind of talked about when you kind of come up for lyrics for a song, Mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to kind of chop up it into bits that make sense (laughs) in a song (laughs) format. Yeah, totally. So, it was kind of, yeah. <laughs> so have you gotten better at that curation process of like, okay, this while well, I love this part, is like this does not need to be in the song?
1: Yeah, I have. I think I think a lot of that has also come with experience of I think as a younger songwriter, especially as one like myself who like you just mentioned, I I on almost all my songs I've written the lyrics first and then I write mm-hmm. the music later, which is is kind of is backwards from the way that most songwriters write songs. Mm -hmm. Apparently I just like found that out not too long ago that most songwriters come up with music first and then write their lyrics later. But, um, I think as when I was a younger songwriter writing songs that way, um, I think I didn't trust, I, I didn't have enough songs fully written music and everything to be able to trust that, like, Oh, if you chop this whole, verse Mm -hmm. of lyrics you still are going to end up with a good song at the end of this you know what i mean and i've written enough songs now where i've like chopped that line that just felt like this Mm -hmm. like killer line that just like really speaks but it just wasn't working and that i've gone it through it enough times of like just i mean they call it like killing your babies which is like pretty graphic i forget who who coined that phrase but it's it's pretty gory but it kind of feels right but um I've, I've done it enough times and have ended up with a song that feels really good to trust that like, yeah, it's, it's okay to, to get rid of good stuff. You can still end up with a great song, even with getting rid of good stuff, you know? So, but as an, as a young songwriter, that was a lot harder because I, I think I was worried that I was cutting out the stuff that would make it a great song, you know what I mean? But, um. It's just reps and experience again on um, being able to trust that, you know.
0: Take a quick break from the interview so y'all can take a listen to the title track off of Rootless. Enjoy and I'll be right back. Y'all enjoyed that back I am back now with the interview enjoy the rest yeah <laughs> so kind of talking about song making one of my favorite songs from the new album Ruthless mm-hmm. um it's kind of that title track I really love that title track yeah yeah um so you kind of talked about how like this song kind of went through the process of being tweaked and re-recorded and maybe it's yeah. not going to make it on the album, then coming back on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do you know when, like, take your hands off, like, okay, I'm done. The song is done and complete. I need to stop messing with it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Half, half the record I, like, fully recorded and then I hated it and I deleted mm-hmm. it and started over. And, I mean, and that song was one of those ones where we had, I basically fully recorded it. I think vocals and everything somewhere on the hard drive of our studio computer, there's like an alt version of this whole rec- of half of this record mm-hmm. that will never see the light of day. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think that, that song, um, yeah. Knowing when it's done and honestly, because I was the one I recorded it and I mixed it, I knew it was done when I would – the way that I mixed the record in a lot of ways, I uh, would go on walks with the songs. Um, like I would go on a walk through my neighborhood and just – I would put the put the songs wherever they were. I'd, I'd bounce them and throw them on my phone, and I would go on a walk and just listen on headphones and just stop and jot down notes all the time whenever something was sticking out to me. And, and then I also refinish Wood Floors um, is what I do for work um, besides working on records. And so I would like listen to my songs while I'm standing floors and stuff and stop and take notes all the time. And and then after I'd compiled a bunch of notes, I'd go back to the studio, make adjustments, bounce it, throw it on my phone, go on walks, listen to it while I'm standing floors, etc. And I knew that I was done with the songs basically when I would throw on the record and i would notice that that song just finished and i just enjoyed it you know what i mean that there was nothing was jumping out at me nothing was making me wince nothing was making me cringe nothing was like Mm -hmm. bugging me like that the song just finished and i just had a great time you know what i mean and i was like oh i think that might mean that i'm done (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) and uh so that's that, that was basically how i, how I did it is it just i when when i stopped finding things to change and then i was like oh i can't think that means i think that means we're done um i think it took me a long time to get there and i think if somebody else would have been mixing the record they would have not been making the, like i was like way down the rabbit hole of like okay the guitar at 208 needs to come up like 0.2 DB and then come back down at 212 like 0.3 DB like mm-hmm. like I was doing little adjustments like that mm-hmm. at times which some might say is ridiculous and they would probably be right but <laughs> um, but eventually I stopped even wanting to do that and I was just like oh no it sounds right so um,
2: yeah
0: nice so when you finally finished the album it was obviously time to release it then you've released a vinyl, and CDs mm-hmm. as well, which look amazing, yep. by the way. Hey, thank you. Um, it. Yeah. <laughs> so, what is it like to print physical copies as a smaller band?
1: Um, it's expensive. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's really expensive. Um, uh, it's a, uh, I don't know. It's 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 cool. I've never I've never made physical copies of music any other way than just doing it in house. So I guess I don't know what it's like to have a label print thousands of your records and stuff like that or have hire an art director to do everything um my background in college i went to school for for visual art basically uh like i basically my my degree was like a minor in like five different things it was like uh my degree was called multimedia production it was like photography Mm -hmm. graphic design video production music and uh Gosh, there's something else in there too. But n- none of those things do I want to do for a career at all. Um, so it was a little bit of a waste. But but I know enough about doing visual design stuff that like being involved in making the artwork and stuff for the record was something that I felt excited about and had just enough skill to be able to get my hands dirty with it. So, um, so it was kind of fun. Um, the album artwork, I is the the main cover of the album. Uh I took that picture uh when I was on choir tour in college in Portugal and mm-hmm. I'd like there's just this dude walking through this like flock of pigeons and I just like had happened to have my camera. We had like just finished singing in this big massive cathedral and I like stepped outside and saw this dude and just started taking some pictures and then like saw the picture that I got of this guy and immediately was like I want to use that as an album cover someday and so it was pretty fun to like that this felt like the record that that picture needed to be on or whatever so um but yeah i mean it was a lot of work uh putting together all the packaging put a lot of put a lot of love into it um so like anything doing a diy or just being an independent artist it's just it's more work a lot of money um but but it's it but i don't know it's it's rewarding too like when i when we got the records delivered to my house was like just such a fun moment to like hold this like record that was like a Mm -hmm. physical manifestation of like five years of my life. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like was, that was, that was amazing, you know? And uh, so 10 out of 10 would recommend, um, but it's, (laughs) it's not for the faint of heart for sure. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's work. So,
0: So um, you, you talk about mental health a lot in the music you write, which you've mentioned mm-hmm. before.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I've always wondered what it's like to perform songs like these that are so personal to you like over and over and again. Is it kind mm-hmm. of like therapeutic in a way?
1: Yeah, it is. And it's surprising how your songs, your own songs that you wrote, that you know exactly what you were talking about when you wrote them, how the meaning will evolve for you and speak to you, that your own songs will will blossom to yourself in new and fresh ways as you get older. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example, like uh, uh, two examples that come to mind, um, the song Summer Rain um, on my record really is talking a lot about uh, pain and our relationship to pain. And um, the the specific types of pain that I was thinking about when I wrote that song, I still remember and still feel present to me. But like now, when I sing those songs, I've encountered different <laughs> pains <laughs> since I wrote that song. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you'll figure we keep we keep getting hurt as we get older. But uh, but so then those different. Pains are present to me as I'm singing that song now, um, and and with those experiences in mind, the rest of the lyrics uh, feel different in different contexts. Um, or or a song, uh, the, another song on the record, "A uh, Union" um, is a song about my marriage to my wife, and it's a song about like the hardship of love of when. Like we have a billion and counting songs about love as a feeling. You know what I mean? Like you, you meet that new special person, and like you just have that immediate, like overflowing, just like mm-hmm. natural feeling of attraction and, and love, which is a real thing and is so beautiful, whatever. But another form of yeah, love the that doesn't. Phase. Yeah, exactly, and that's a beautiful thing. There's, there's nothing to poo-poo mm-hmm. about it or anything like that. But we don't have many songs about love as a choice you know that when love gets hard and like commitment like we don't have like we don't have nearly as many songs about the beauty of commitment and Mm. that that song is about that and um i wrote that song gosh i wrote the lyrics for that song five six years ago and the hardships that my wife and i were going through five six years ago we're going through way different hardships now you know what i mean but so when i sing union now Um, I'm thinking about the stuff that my wife and I are wrestling through and arguing about right now, you know what I mean? And choosing to love each other now, um, makes that song feel, feel different. There's different mental images that come to mind when I'm singing that song now than when I originally wrote it, which is kind of fun to like, have your own song speak back to you as you mm. as you get older, you know, is that's been that's been like it's the, the songs have kept themselves fresh in that way. They've felt like living living things, you know. So uh definitely very therapeutic for sure. So
0: yeah. um so I feel like it's become a whole lot more commonplace to kind of talk about mental health within music yeah. over the past
1: decade or two. For sure. Why do you think mm-hmm.
0: it's so important to focus on mental health within um y'all's music
1: that's a good question um yeah i don't know um that's a good question um well i feel like uh the kind of explosion if you will of like songs and people like talking about mental health i think the more space that has been made for those kinds of conversations, I think people have felt more safe to kind of plumb the depths of those, you know, to like, uh, like, oh, we've got songs about depression, you know, but culturally, we're becoming a lot more comfortable talking about mental health in general, like talking about depression, talking about anxiety. And so maybe a song that you would have written about depression or anxiety 20 years ago might have stayed a little bit more on the surface a little bit Mm -hmm. because um, maybe as songwriters, we were a little bit more afraid to go there, you know, that in our current context that we've gotten a little bit more cozy with feeling like, people are going to be okay with us like really telling it like it is you know um so i don't know but i I think there can be kind of a shadow side to that sometimes like the that sometimes uh i don't know like that there's been so much focus on mental health. Sometimes I, sometimes I wonder if we're doing like a little bit too much navel gazing a little bit that like, mm. that if we're like, I don't know, That it, like sometimes I feel like um, we're kind of all encouraged to do so much self-examination that sometimes I wonder if we like find things that weren't actually there. Maybe like, maybe if I'm like, 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 oh, I wonder if I'm anxious, and I'm feeling anxious that I am not finding anxiety in myself when I'm thinking, oh, there's got to be, I don't know, like, I'm not making any sense, but I don't know, sometimes I wonder, do you know what I mean? Like, sometimes I wonder if, -hmm. if like, um, if you're told that we're all depressed and anxious, that maybe you're not actually depressed and anxious, but now you feel sad and, and anxious because, you feel like you're supposed to or something like that i don't i don't think that that's like a really huge problem or anything like that i think it's overall it's a really good thing that that culturally and artists and songwriters are are really plumbing the depths of mental health i think overall that's a good thing but like everything there's shadow sides to to any good thing for sure but um yeah i don't know if i answered your question but i gave you some Waxing and musings (laughs) about—that's all. Maybe that's what you wanted.
0: (laughs) No, you do it. I do kind of relate to what you were saying about at the end. About and I for for me, I just kind of to get over the focusing on my feelings and just like just chill out, just live in the moment for a second, just enjoy that, and don't have to worry about these labels. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's it's give and take. It's balance. It's it's like Mm -hmm. anything in it. Like um there's there's a time and a season for everything there's there's a time to like do do inner work and to confront things that you haven't confronted and um and then there's also a time to move past that to just be like yeah like i i struggle with these things but you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna choose to not wallow
2: in that and to not
1: exactly yeah and and there's there's not a rule for that. You know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. like, cause it, sometimes like me, I tend to be an avoider, you know what I mean? That like, Oh, I'm feeling some sort of negativity or I'm starting to feel some sadness creeping in. And I kind of run from that. It is my, is generally my, is usually my, my instinct. Um, and so sometimes it's really good to, to sit with a hard feeling for a while, but sometimes though it, you've been sitting with it too long and it's time to move on, you know what I mean? And to mm-hmm. choose to choose to feel a different thing, which I don't know how, how capable we are of that or not, but um, yeah, it's like everything. There's a season for everything. So
2: yeah,
0: exactly. Um, so focusing is something a little bit more fun. Um, yeah. We we go. Yeah. Like we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> CBS Saturday morning. How yeah, was that whole yeah. experience from being wild. invited all the way to performing there on stage?
1: Yeah, it was totally wild. I mean, gosh, the it the amount of the amount of bands that like want to play on that show and should be on that show, or should be on any of those national TV slots, like it felt, like, I've told so many people, it, it felt silly that we were there, you know what I mean? Like, there's just, there's so many insanely great bands out there right now with killer records. Like, it felt kind of strange being plucked out of the, like, ocean of incredible artists and asked to to get to play on that kind of a stage, you know, it was,
2: it was just, it was weird.
1: Um, but such an honor, too, is, like, like, so so cool um but yeah i mean it was a it was a whirlwind we like got word that like i think i think it was like the day before a record came out on on may 5th uh mm-hmm. i think it was like the day before i think it was on may 4th that we found out that we were we gotten an offer to come and play on cbs and which was like such a fun like day before record release thing to find out but but it was insane because it was like we had all of our 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 record release tour dates for most of the month of may um booked and we were promoting and, and stuff and excited to do that and they wanted us to come out in may and we had this like short little window of time in our tour calendar where we were planning to be home and that was like exactly when they wanted us to come out so like the timing of it just worked out perfectly but so we had like we the day before our record came out all of a sudden we were like trying to like figure out logistics on like getting the band out to new york and getting all of our gear out there and like are we gonna fly are we gonna rent backline? are we gonna where are we gonna stay like all this logistical stuff that in the midst of like releasing this record and then going and playing all the shows that we already had booked but so it was, it was kind of a lot, like, honestly, we got to the end of May and I was like exhausted, but, um, but it was great. Yeah. I mean, we drove out there and, and the the crew was so sweet and they were all super into the record and super into performance and stuff. And um, which was just a lot of fun. It was, but yeah, the whole time being at the studio, it felt like, it like felt like somebody was going to come up to us and be like, wait, who are you guys? Like, <laughs> there's been a big there's been a big mistake like we like like we I'm really sorry like the the, the real band is actually showing up in an hour. I, the, the the intern they they got it all wrong, you know what I mean? Like we're really sorry like it like felt like that was going to happen but no, it was we were they wanted us to be there. So um yeah, it was great. We felt really great about our performance too. So it was it was awesome. Um but yeah such a it was a whirlwind of an experience um got to after our show because they 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 like they filmed at times square or whatever um and we got to go hang out in brooklyn for the rest of the day and catch a really good show at baby's alright mm-hmm. which is a really sweet venue in brooklyn so it was just like the best like uh like cap to to the, the record cycle of just putting in so much work um on the record and getting ready to release it and then like getting to go play on national tv was just like such a treat um it felt like a really fun reward for a lot of hard work and stuff so um yeah crazy experience
0: (laughs) so talking about performances i perform many places from bars to festivals obviously saturday morning which you just talked about Mm -hmm. um what has been your favorite performance experience so far
1: oh man um i mean i probably could say cbs saturday morning was that was that was pretty fun but um um favorite um my uh probably my favorite is uh there's a really legendary music venue in Minneapolis, which is like, I mean, we're, we live in Eau Claire and based out of Eau Claire, Eau Claire's our hometown, but Minneapolis feels kind of like this like sister city to us. It's just like an hour and a half down the road. Uh, there's a music venue there called first Avenue and it's this like super legendary rock club. Um, mm. It's like the home of Prince. Um, oh. But uh, uh, that is, venue holds this like insanely special place in my heart I like I feel like I kind of grew up there a little bit musically like seen so many of my favorite bands come through and play there and they've got their they've got First Ave Main Room and then their smaller venue that's directly connected to it called 7th Street Entry and I've seen so many of my favorite bands at both of those both of those venues um and we've gotten to play 7th Street Entry uh several times over the last few years and man every I feel like every time we play there is like my favorite show because it's like it feels like a hometown show to us you know it's always pretty packed um with with uh with peeps and you just kind of feel the the history of that space you know of just so many bands that have played there and being like having had that experience of being the person in the crowd and then getting to like actually be on that stage you know is really Mm -hmm. special where it's like when we go and play in other cities, in like Chicago or, or Milwaukee or, or something like that, like I I didn't grow up going to shows in any of those cities, you know. So like my first time playing at being in whatever venue is like is from me playing there, not from like being a person out in the crowd, you know. Whereas like playing at Seventh Street Entry, it's like I've been out in that crowd a billion times, you know what I mean. So so you just feel this like different level of excitement of being on the stage sharing the music and stuff so so yeah we, we played a, a like record release show at the entry in minneapolis and it was like insane it was so fun so yeah <laughs> cool
0: um i kind of want to get into some more personal questions before we wrap this up yeah go for it man so in 2017 on your instagram you kind of talked about eight albums that were important to you that year you mentioned mm. um, mm-hmm. records like bam by kendrick lamar yeah. Back up by the Fleet Foxes and Sleep Well yeah. Beast by the National and some others. hmm mm-hmm. Um, can you think of some albums that have impacted you this year?
1: Oh man. Um well behind me, I don't know if you can see it, I've got my I've got like a little shelf with, with records, my like record oh, okay. and like my guitar. I'm sitting in my living room right now. Um uh I am a huge uh Willie Nelson fan. He's like my favorite artist of all time. Um, and I feel like I'm always listening to Willie. Um, just, he's my favorite, but I feel like this year, especially, like I've been listening to Willie voraciously for a long time now, but like this year, maybe more than ever, for some reason, like, I'm just like, I've like felt embarrassed by like how much Willie I've been listening to. It's like, at times it's felt (laughs) like I like get to the end of the month. And I'm like, did I only listen to (laughs) to Willie this (laughs) month? Like it might've been like, honestly, like, I've been like going really deep on Willie's live records. Um, he's got one that came out in the late seventies, which was his career was just like taking off like crazy. Uh, it's just called Willie and the Willie Nelson and the family live. And um, man, I've just been like going so deep on that record. It's like two hours long. And I just got, they, he just released a, a, another one called the, uh, uh, another live record just this past year uh, live from Budokan it's a performance that he did in Tokyo in like 1984 and mm-hmm. uh um he released that one as like a record store day exclusive record and i just picked that one up from my record store um and been listening to that one like crazy but um uh, some not willie i could talk about so many willie records that i've been getting into but non non willie this year that i've been uh listening to a lot um i don't actually don't i don't i can't remember if it came out this year if it came out last year but it's sitting up on the shelf right now so it's it's kind of top of mind but uh record called weather alive by beth orton you checked out have you Mm -hmm. did you hear that one um i've never heard that one one. dude it's insane um it's like it's it's pretty uh i I read some writer writing about it and in I think she, she described it that like every song sounds like a weather forecast, a different weather forecast. And I was like, for some reason that really stuck with me and it's, um, it's, it's a pretty dreamy record. Um, I felt like that was a really good description of it, honestly, but, uh, yeah, weather live by Beth Orton is one that comes to mind. Um, I'm trying to think of other records that have been meaningful to me this year. Um. Yeah, Willie. <laughs> Always Willie. Not a bad you know? choice. Yeah, man. Yeah, I got to see him live for the first time in May, and oh, nice! I was, okay. It was it it was just insane. I it he took the stage, and I just like didn't stop smiling for like two hours. Basically, <laughs> he's just like such a force. Like, yeah,
0: so yeah. So I've never been to Beau O Did
1: I pronounce that right? Eau Claire like Oh, Claire. okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like French. Yeah. Is <laughs> <O>. Yeah. You Oh, yeah
0: So I've never been to Eau Claire um, Wisconsin and I'm assuming a lot of our listeners haven't as well. Yeah, probably if I were either. to visit where are some places I should stop by
1: Oh, man, um Well, uh Eau Claire is it's more of a big town than a small than a small city um, and so we like don't have a lot but and that's part of what i think is great about it to some degree um some would say that that's the thing that sucks about eau claire is that we don't have a lot um but um i kind of think it's a thing that that keeps us a little bit more community focused we don't we don't have too many attractions i would say but um it's a beautiful area i would say like naturally like uh like something that i love about eau claire is Wherever you are in Eau Claire, if you drive 20 minutes in any direction, you're in farmland, which is cool. But it's still, like, a city of, like, 70-some thousand people. And some of the smaller towns that are directly adjacent to Eau Claire, like, the whole healthy Eau Claire metro area is probably, like, 100,000 people or something like that. So, that's, it's not, like, teensy or anything like that. But but it's pretty cool. That, like, you drive 20 minutes in any direction wherever you are in Eau Claire and you're just, like, out in really beautiful rolling um, rolling Hills. Um, so yeah, if you came to Eau Claire, we'd probably go outside of Eau Claire um, and just go on a drive um, would be pretty fun. But uh, the there's a really, my favorite record store that I've ever been to out a- anywhere um, is in Eau Claire. It's called Revival Records. And I go there probably, probably not every week, but close to every week. And the the shop owner there, Billy, is the best and you can talk with him about records, um, all day. It's like one of those classic record store experiences, which are becoming rarer as record stores just are just like mm. a little bit more rare rare to some degree, but, uh, really rad, uh, bike shop, coffee shop that I go to all the time called shift shout out. Um, but, um, yeah, the one of the best bars of all time is called The Joint. It's uh on Water Street in Eau Claire. That's a pretty there's there's a lot of people who've never been to Eau Claire who've heard of the joint. That's kind of a kind of an iconic place. You gotta go to the joint. So um my favorite watering hole is there's there's a place like five blocks from my house in the studio, uh called the Amber Inn that is the oldest bar in Eau Claire. It was made in eighteen eighty four. I believe is when it was made it was super super old um and you kind of feel that when you go in there it's pretty cool so you should come to eau claire it's a cool place cool
0: (laughs) (laughs) so is there anything else you wanted to talk about that i did not ask
1: um i mean i don't think so i talked i I talked a lot so you probably got plenty you probably got yeah you probably got more than you bargained for so Um, where should i where if we came to like north carolina i'd like have spent basically zero time in north carolina um where should we come play where where's where's the place to play in north carolina
0: oh man there are so many great music video music venues (laughs) yeah in the triangle area what's your favorite um um mine is cat's cradle which is in cat's cradle
1: i've heard of cat's cradle okay sweet that's great yeah, that's awesome.
0: There's also so many other options.
1: Yeah, okay, Kelly.
0: Um, so do you mind letting the listeners know where they can find out more about Waldemore, like social media, stuff like that?
1: 100%, yeah. Um, most active on Instagram, although I kind of take hiatuses from being on, on social media semi-often, just... It's just good for my brain, good for my soul to not be on there all the time. But I'm um, on Instagram uh, at where's Waldemar. Um, and uh, I would love for people to connect via email. Um, I per what I just said about I try to not be on social media too much. I'm trying to really cultivate like a good space off of social media that we can like stay in touch via email newsletter. Um, so trying to have a thriving community there, but, uh, website, um, uh, waldemarmusic.com, um, has got everything. It's got all the videos. It's got the podcast episodes. It's got the bio. It's got the pictures. It's got all the, all the, all the, nice. all the goodies. Um, um that at the
0: end of the interview, yeah. thank you so much for taking out time of your day to come interview with us.
1: hundred percent. It's a really good chat, man.
0: Thank you all for tuning in to this interview. You can check out other interviews at wknc.org slash podcast and click on off the record. I'm Keeva A on WKNC 88.1 FM HD1 Rally. Thank you for listening and take care.